You are listening to a Bill Bennett podcast special feature. It's a conversation with Charles Koch. He's the chairman and CEO of Koch Industries. This is part two of an eight-part series where we dive deep into the virtuous cycle. That's what Charles calls it. And the virtuous cycle's potential to impact society positively in four different areas. Education, community, business, and government. Last week, we spoke about Charles Koch's intellectual journey from good profit to the virtuous cycle. Let's pick up with Charles now, explaining how three facets of education, as he sees it, applied to his early efforts in business. So I learned by integrating theory and, and practice, and but it was a lot of it was prompted by principles I was learning, principles of science, of economics, philosophy, psychology, Wow, we are, how do we apply that? So set up experiments. So and then and then understanding how how markets work, that is voluntary markets, uh, that transactions come about because both people believe that the transaction will benefit them. So that to me, okay, I and I know that every company that's successful that doesn't does isn't successful because of government mandates, regulations or subsidies, that's what they have to do. But some of it do it inadvertently. And so I, I, I said, no, we're going to do it intentionally. We are going to understand what our customers value and, uh, and in depth. The, the people we're dealing with, the company overall, and if we think it isn't in their long-term interest, we'll try to solve them. They need to do it a different way. And so that's the starting point. So my starting point on these virtuous cycles was, okay, what capabilities do we have that will create value for others? And then what are the best opportunities? And the best opportunities to me had two dimensions. One, what is the magnitude of the value we will we can create? That is, how much better can we do this service for them or this product will do for them than their alternatives. And then give preference to the customers who will reciprocate, that is, who will compensate us according to the value we create for them. And so that is to to have a relationship based on the philosophy of mutual benefit. That's why I call these virtuous cycles of mutual benefit. And, and so that's the first step. And then uh, to continually improve and add to those these capabilities, which then opens new opportunities. And then those new opportunities point to the need for us to develop additional capabilities and so on in never-ending cycles of capability building, opportunities, uh, and mutual benefit. And to make this work, what, what we've found r- requires two different sets of philosophy, uh, of philosophies. One is to become partner of choice, counterparty of choice, not w- just with our customers, but of course that's the starting place, but also with our employees, with our, our, uh, our suppliers, our co-investors, our communities, our regulators, and society as a whole. And we don't have time to go through, okay, how do we do that for each one? But believe me, we, we work at that, and, and our whole management philosophy is to build a culture of you're, you're here to create value for others. And, 
and we've got to be compensated for it. It's under a philosophy of mutual benefit. Then the second piece is to drive continual transformation. And this started, you asked where, where I got, this started from Schumpeter's insight, which I, I think he wrote in 1948, that for business people, the ground is constantly crumbling beneath their feet. And so our attitude needs to be that whatever we're doing, however well we're doing as a business, as an individual employee, to have the attitude, it can and in the future will be much better, much differently, or may not need to be another done at all as, as business models and, and uh, technology changes. Is that it, Charles? I mean, is that why it's every business is crumbling at its feet because of competition? Because it becomes superannuated? Because it, uh, you know, destitute? Did people stop using it or do something else? Why is that risk of the of the of the crumbling always there? It's because in an open system, you've got to have an. And this is another principle I've I've used is the is one of the basic. This isn't just something that's arbitrary, you can choose whether to do it or not. This is uh, following one of the basic laws of nature, and that is the second law of thermodynamics. That is, in a closed system, entropy or, or disorder never decreases, which means it virtually always increases. So if you want to have order, you want to be productive, you want to create value, you have to be open, and that goes for a country, and and that's the history of the world. That goes for an organization, and that goes for an individual. So everybody needs to be lifelong learners and expose themselves to competition, innovation, and so on. So that's been our, our philosophy back to the, the 60s, and this is a key part of virtuous cycles is – we constantly search, and we don't worry. You, you, you know, you talk about protectionism. Companies, oh, I, we may there's a new invention, but we don't want to do it because that'll ruin our current business. Well, you better go do it, or else somebody's else is going to do it, and you're going to be out of business. And this is uh, Schumpeter's term of creating destruction. You better drive it, or somebody else is going to dr- use it to drive you out of business. Did any of this um, reinforce itself through, because you mentioned earlier, you know, you had some surprises, you know, you had some hits in the hits of the head. Um, Ishmael and Moby Dick says the universal thump gets passed around. I love that notion, the universal thump. Everybody gets thumped. Did you ever get thumped uh, into the into, into deeper recognition of some of these because you didn't pay attention on one point or another? Oh, absolutely. And I've... I was going back through the in my index or in my uh, list and in the back of Good Profit, all the businesses we've exited, uh, and, and I'll, I'll mention that. But uh, just looking at those, and and there are others. I I didn't list them all. There are failures. There were uh, just on that list. Out of that total, there were over thirty failures. And so, but anyway, so. So what so what what do we need to do as individuals working here and in our businesses to deal with this 
creative destruction with this business crumbling beneath our feet. Well, it's the first thing is to build knowledge networks. And this is another aspect of, of science I've applied. So what Polanyi called Republic of Science, that is, we need to share knowledge within the company. We need to know what's going on in our industries and the technologies that can affect us. And then we need to learn trends on all other everywhere in the world that might affect us, because some of it can be things that uh, that don't seem to relate to our business, that our industry isn't doing. But if it's if it if it can improve something, it will be at some point. So we better know earlier than our competitors and 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 apply it. And so and then to apply it, we've got to set up experiments. Okay, how do we apply something that's somebody's using differently? We need to set up experiments. And so we experiment with what businesses to go in, how to build new capabilities, how to apply them, how to apply philosophies. And so with experiments, you have failures. Otherwise, it's not a true experiment. If you already know the answer, it's not really an experiment. So you have lots of failures. So you have to build a culture of risk-taking, but it has to be prudent risk-taking. And these experiments have to be uh, designed in a way that you learn and that minimizes the, 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 the cost and problems. And that's a big part of our losses. The big ones is we, we bypassed the experimental. We had this idea and we just plunged right into it. And those are our biggest uh, disasters. Let me, uh, let me, may I interrupt again? Because it's just, I'm so curious about this. The knowledge network, you talk about Polanyi, Michael Polanyi. Uh, and expanding the knowledge network, learning from others, were the best lessons that you learned that you were able to apply to your own business, learned from analogous businesses, businesses that are like yours, or businesses maybe that are totally unlike yours? Um, can you learn from both? Yeah, and and not even not even businesses. As I as I wrote in Good Profit from Thomas Edison, I learned some when somebody told him. A friend said, "God, I'm so." He was trying to develop a battery, and 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 he had, had nine thousand failures. And his friend said, "Oh, Thomas, I'm so sorry. You had had all these failures." And he said, "I haven't had any failures. I've learned nine thousand things that don't work." <laughs> and that has to be our attitude. And that's what what we do on anything, like. And so, we don't penalize somebody who's designed an experiment. That, okay, what he tried didn't work, but it showed why it didn't work. So then we're not going to go do that. So rather than it cost us a million or a few hundred thousand, rather than cost us a hundred million or something, so he saved us all that. So that's, uh, that's our attitude. And then the other thing is, which ties back to, as I, what I t- mentioned earlier about exiting businesses, as soon as a business starts to become stagnant, that we no longer have the ability for whatever reasons, capability to continue, virtu- uh, use it to, to drive virtuous cycles, then we sell it. And so, so we, exited, we exit businesses where we, we can't do that. Coming up in our next installment, I asked Charles about risk-taking in business and if the fear factor is at an all-time high. 
This is a Bill Bennett Podcast special feature. It's a conversation with Charles Koch. 